Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. That theme song can only mean one thing. It means you have entered the steam room, home of the second or third most popular podcast in the history of media. Uh, that and, and that rating based on voting by my wife and children. And so it really doesn't say much if I finish third, uh, but but it's the steam room. It was a distant third, brother. Yeah, it's Ernie Johnson and it's Charles Barkley. Chuckster, how's your week? Um, Ernie, you know what? I just thought about that when you said that. Like, number one, I cannot wait to get a Manny and Petty. That's the first thing I'm going to do when this quarantine is over. But I just thought about it. I cannot wait to sit my fat ass in a steam room. Like, that's one of the highlights of my day. Just sitting in a steam room after you worked out and just total relaxation. I cannot. I, I, listen, I'm going straight to get the Manny Petty because these things look so dis- Ugh, awful right now. Do you have a steam room at your house by chance? I do not. I do not. But I, I, actually, the only steam room I use is in Atlanta at the hotel, and I use it every single day. Yeah. I cannot wait to just sit in a steam room. That was actually when I played uh, for the Suns. One of the highlights after game, after I talked to the press, I would go and sit in the steam room for like fifteen minutes just to wind down and relax. And I cannot wait to get in a real steam room again. And it's and it's always a steam room and not a sauna? I don't like saunas. I like saunas. I like the dry heat. Plus, you can see. You can see better in a sauna. Well, you can hear. You don't need to be seeing. Well, you you know, that whole bracelet thing happened in a steam room <laughs> for you. You know, maybe the, maybe that doesn't happen if uh, uh, so I, I, I didn't know who I was talking to. He had a sweet, <laughs> he had a sweet voice. <laughs> so we like to start this uh, this podcast with Charles' favorite phrase, which is first of all, first of all, you know you have a lot of money when you get hundred nut Cheerios. I've had the regular Cheerios. First of all, you know anybody ride a motorcycle who makes millions of dollars is an idiot. First of all, zero plus zero is zero. So what is first of all this week? I watched the most amazing documentary on on television last week. It's called Project 11. It was about Alex Smith's recovery uh, from a broken leg. Uh, He obviously had a compound fracture. And number one, his spirit and attitude, he's amazing. But he's trying to come back to the NFL. And Ernie, in this documentary... They, you know, normally just for injuries, they don't put up the graphic graphic material, don't let your kids watch. And they showed his leg five, six, seven times. It was so badly mangled, and he got infected. And they were making a decision between his leg and his life. And it was amazing uh, to, to watch his spirit keeping his head up, his wife keeping her head up. But when the doctor says, hey, we're past worried about his leg, we're worried about his life. 
And to see this man grow through it and, and come out on the other side, he had a great attitude the whole time, but he never complained. He, this guy never complained. When they took it, they gave his job away in San Francisco when he got hurt. He didn't complain. He was a great backup. And even in Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes will tell you, if it, wasn't for, if it wasn't for Alex Smith, I would not be here. Uh, it is, it's unbelievable. So everybody, if you get a chance, go watch Project 11. You're going to be inspired, and you're going to feel like I never had a bad day. You're on. I will, I will check that out. Project 11, Alex Smith. E60. I like stories like that too, Chuckster. I like stories that that take you inside and really show you what somebody's made of when the when the times you know when they go through a trial like that. The one thing I've learned through this pandemic, man, I'm so lucky and blessed. We're so lucky and blessed. You know, they keep putting these uh, commercials up that we're all in this thing together, and we're not all in this thing together, man. I'm, I'm going to be a lot more appreciative of my life. I've, I feel like I've always been appreciative. But the this, this, this stuff that you see, and then you see how a lot of these people are really going to struggle when we come out of this thing. Let me say something, too, about that, Chuck, because I, I just I get bothered by things that I that I see. I just wish we could let people do what they're going to do without having a, a commentary on it, I saw, you know, I just saw like the nurses who were outside the White House and they had like 88 pairs of shoes that were set there uh, in honor of healthcare workers and nurses who had lost their lives during this COVID-19. And then just to see some of the responses online from people, I was like, how can you say that? If all you can do is take shots at nurses for that, you know, and say, aren't there patients you should be taken care of? Yeah. It's like, how can you be that heartless? You know, here are the options. If you were going to say something like that, just don't. Just just lay just lay out of the yeah. conversation. Just lay out of the conversation. Ah, it's just as maddening sometimes, Chuckster. Be a better human. Let's all try. What do you say? All right, we'll come back. A guy who is in is in demand all the time is Mark Cuban. Special, special guest. Yeah, and he's got great perspective, and we'll uh, we'll be checking in with Mark when the steam room continues. Welcome back to the steam room. We appreciate everybody keeping their towels on. And uh, <laughs> Chuckster, it's it's that time. I know you love saying it's time for a special. Special guest, special yes. special guest. Uh, wow, that is that's uh, quite the compliment coming from the Chuckster, but uh, totally deserving is Mark Cuban, who who joins us now um, as we continue in our holding pattern in the NBA. Um, how long will this holding pattern continue, Mark Cuban? I wish I knew, man. If I had an answer to that, <laughs> I'd be everybody's best friend. I, I just don't know. The science will tell us. You know, Mark, I, I read a great quote from you. It's been going on the crawl all day. You just said, hey, guys, my, we're not safe. It, all these people talking about we need to come back right now. You says it's not going to be safe for anybody. Uh, and I really appreciate you saying that. You probably got more to lose than anybody else. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not going to be cheap. But at the same time, you know, first things first, this is much bigger than basketball. 
And there's nothing more important than, than safety. And I, I use the kid factor when I let my kids go to the gym and do these workouts. And the answer is no, we can't, you can't really, we're not allowed to test anybody and not that testing would actually help that much because, you know, a, a practice facility is very transient. You've got people coming in, doing their workout. And yes, we know who they are and everything, but then they go out into the world and who knows who they're interacting with. And even if we were able to test them, that test is only for one moment in time. If they go, you know, see somebody two hours later that happens to be infected and bring it back, we've got real problems. And so it was just better to play it safe. Yeah, it's been hard to follow uh, uh, for me, Mark, uh, simply because of the different states and the gift and the and the different government agencies and it's and the and the different city and county boundaries where they say, okay, yeah, it's going to be fine here if we open this up. But does that apply in this state? Does it apply in this county and in this, in this jurisdiction? And and so you have so far from a level playing field right now yeah. in terms of teams being able to, you know, try to get some kind of a workout in or some semblance of, of normalcy. How was how was it in Dallas? In Dallas, you know, it's it's getting a little bit worse, but it's not bad, right? And because you just don't know, all it takes is one little pocket of people to get infected and all the numbers are skewed. But that doesn't mean we can't work out. I'm all for, and I've said this, we're going to have a meeting this afternoon with the trainers and all of, of our staff. I'm all for our guys working out outside, right? Because there's no surfaces. You're not going to be rolling around in the grass. You're not rolling around on the court. So we've had guys already shooting outside because um, I know I've shot with one of them, right? And, you know, you just take your precautions, you bring your own ball, you, you know, you wash your hands, you don't touch your face, and then you leave because there's no surfaces that you're touching other than the ball. And so I'm fine with that. Other guys are going to tracks or other outdoor areas to run and work out and do body weight workouts where you don't have to touch different things. I'm fine with that as well. Um, but those things, you know, the odds are in your favor that's going to be absolutely safe because there's no carrier services. But if you're inside, you know, it's warmer. Um, there's a lot of things that you're going to touch. You're going to use maybe the restroom. You're going to, you know, grab towels. There's just, you know, you might have cones, whatever it may be, different things that you, that when people touch them, it just increases the risk. And again, without testing, it's just not worth it. Have you ever thought about the fact that if the Dallas Mavericks play a game, you can't go to the game? Yeah, it just <laughs> drives me nuts. Drives me nuts thinking about it. But yeah, it's crossed my mind for sure. And look, I mean, there's, you know, the elderly population. It's a question of where do you set the cutoff, right? And so some people have said 60. Some people have said 65. Other people have said, that, you know, if you're in good shape, you're in good shape. But across the NBA, we have coaches that are a little bit older, you know, in their late 60s, in their 70s. And how do you deal with that? We have players with underlying conditions. Now, you know, we don't allow, we're not allowed to know who is who, but, you know, we know with certainty that there are players across 450 plus the two, um, the two guys that get us the 17 per team um, that have some sort of underlying condition, AFib, a heart condition, takes medication for this or that. That's just what the numbers say. So how do you deal with a player that might have AFib, you know, or might, might have a minimal coronary, you know, condition or a lung condition that impairs them a little bit? but not enough to keep them from playing, but puts them at greater risk if they were to catch the virus. What do you do? You know, Mark, all those are great questions. And I mean, and that's what, and that's what the holdup is. I mean, 
the uncertainty that we're all living in right now. I mean, if somebody would just come out and say, hey, everything's going to be fine on July 8th, everybody could could gear toward that date and say, let's ramp up and let's get going. But when aside from basketball, uh, like when you're watching the news and you're watching and, and I wanted to ask you because because of your business savvy and your and your knowledge of the economy, um, so many people want to get back to work. Um, so many people want to say, let's be careful because we don't want to risk lives. And it was, you know, Dr. Fauci the other day was, was saying, um, you're, we're going down a road where you're going to have to make this decision on how many are you prepared to lose? Yeah. I mean, how do you, how do you balance these two? You don't, I mean, you, you make gradual improvements. So, you know, here in Dallas and in most communities, We've been allowed to do delivery. We've been allowed to do pickup of foods. We've been allowed to go to grocery stores and stand in line, one in, one out, one in. So I'm okay with extending things that have worked to other businesses. You know, if a hardware store, we want to open up hardware stores and allow them to do pickup and delivery, great. You know, because you can do touchless delivery. Leave it on my, you know, uh, doorstep or leave it downstairs and I'll clean it. I'll, you know, bring gloves or whatever and I can protect myself. Um, I'm great with expanding those. But this whole notion of just opening up. Well, when you say the word open up, that the connotation is you're fully open for business. And I think that's created a lot of misunderstanding and fear. If we would have just said, you know what, let's just take pickup and delivery, touchless pickup and delivery, and extend it to any company in the country that wants to go in that direction, great. But that's not what we've done. And so now we have, you know, this battle, open versus stay closed. It's a matter of life versus death. And the sad part is, this is a question of life and death, but we're trying to figure out who do we trust with our lives, and we just don't know. You know, who, who can we turn to? Because we're not getting... We're not getting transparency. We're not getting candor. We're not getting authentic answers. And so from my perspective, you know, as I said, I'm trying to encourage companies that I'm involved with to do the pickup and delivery. But more importantly, and I think this is the big thing, try to reinvent themselves for a world where there's going to be less mobility, mm -hmm. where people are going to be more hesitant to just go out and go into crowds. Obviously, sports is going to have a lot of issues to address. Now, you pair that with, do I have confidence that we'll have a vaccine at some point? Yes. A hundred thousand percent, yes. Now, do I know when? No. Now, based off of my limited scientific reading, I would guess that we'll get something for those people who, who we're trying to cure that already have COVID before the end of the year. And if it's in a perfect world, next season, whenever that starts, we'll be able to play in front of at least limited crowds. And then again, it'll be a gradual learning process. So that, that's a long-winded answer way of saying we take gradual steps forward, we learn what's happening, and as we can incrementally do safe things, we do that. And then that buys us time for those vaccines and therapies. Back to something I heard you talk about today. Um, I guess you were on Fox Business talking about, um, you know, the loss of jobs and possible new jobs. And and I loved what you had to say about, you know, the contact tracing. Yep. If this is going to be key in the in the course of all of this, um, hire a bunch of folks to do that. I mean, how many in your estimation, Mark, how many jobs could that 
could that provide? To do contact testing, tracing, the whole program, you need to not only have people out front doing that job. And again, let me qualify it. You would train everybody, make them you know, understand all the HIPAA regulations. And if somebody didn't want to be tested and if somebody doesn't want to give up their information, you can't force them. So this is not, this is not the police coming after you, forcing you for your personal information. But training them, and then behind the scenes, you need people to take that data, formulate it, and analyze it, understand it, continue to track it so that we learn from all of it, because that's the whole point, learning. You could probably create three to four million jobs. And so, you know, out of 33 million people unemployed, 50 million unemployed and underemployed, you know, it's just a dent, but that's the first step. You're also going to have people that are going to be stuck at home because, you know, they're, they're more at risk. They're more at risk population than some younger people may be. And so you're going to need people to support them and help them. That's another few million jobs. And as those people age and, you know, historically they've moved into long-term care facilities, we'll want to build more long-term care facilities and have people that are trained to work there. We need those jobs. And so now we know this is going to be a need. We know that these are things that need to get done. So now's the time to create the federal programs, not state programs, because if state one and state two don't, you know, compile their information together, if all 50 states don't pull their information together, then the, the, the tracking and tracing is useless, right? Because you, you can't have little silos of data. So it's got to be a federal program. But now's the time to do it because what gets us back, not to normal, because 10 weeks ago, that normal is gone. But whatever the new normal is that we evolve into, to get us back, it's going to create it's going to require consumers being willing to spend money. And the only way people are going to spend money is if they're confident they can keep their job um, and they're confident they're not going to, you know, that their salaries are going to stay the same. And that way they'll be more willing to save a little less and spend a little more. That in turn creates opportunities for businesses to thrive and for new businesses to be created because of consumer demand. So we need, historically, it's always been top down put money in the system, let entrepreneurs do their thing, let companies do their thing. But this is so different. We've never had 50 million people impacted like this in, in 10 weeks or less. And so we have to do it differently. It's going to have to be bottom up. That's the only way that'll work. You, you know, uh, I started a fund in Alabama called the Alabama Hospitality Fund for workers who are obviously going to be out of business. And we've been talking about, okay, number one, obviously all the restaurants are closed down. But they got a couple other problems. Number one, when they come, when they open back up, people are not gonna have money to go in and eat in the hospitality field, but also people are not gonna wanna congregate and go to bars and restaurants. What would be the best advice you could give those to try to jumpstart the hospitality business? You know, first is the pickup and delivery. I've actually, you know, the companies that have specialized in it, in it historically, like the, the, the sub companies, the Jimmy Johns, the Subways, you know, they're doing actually doing well. Their business is up. There's another um, um, franchise chain called Sonics where you drive in and they take their order. Their business is way up as well. You know, companies with drive through Starbucks, their business is, is starting to increase dramatically. So you're going to have to adapt. The idea that you could just be a club where everybody just congregates around the bar, that's just not going to work anymore. So you have to come up with ways where people can be having fun. You know, like in Atlanta, they were showing people out in the street, um, you know, places that hanging out. And that's OK as long as you keep them apart. Right. But you have to come up with new ways to 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 
support social distancing and allow people to have fun, it's just not going to be the same old ways. I mean, it's just, it's, you just have to think, you know, how can I do it differently? How can I be innovative? What's something that a year from now, when there's still social distancing, if there's still social distancing, most likely there will be, that we can find ways for people to have fun. You know, I've talked to restaurants. I actually ordered one for my my driveway. There's these big see-through cubes that, uh, or not even cubes, bubbles, right? They're just huge bubbles that are seven feet tall and can support a table and fit four or five people. Because I need, I have a couple of restaurants and I want to figure out what might work, ordering one of those to see, you know, how cool is it? You know, does it get too hot? But just different ways to invent so that, if I wanted to have a restaurant and I wanted to have 10 of these bubbles and there was a way for me just to spray them when somebody left and then bring in the next one and it was safe, but everybody can see each other. I mean, I'm, we're just winging it, trying to find out new solutions, but that's what it's going to take, Chuck, sir. It's going to take people inventing new ways. You know, the best way to predict the future is to invent it. That's what Abraham Lincoln said. And that's exactly what's going to happen here. He was talking about after the Civil War that, you know, think about back then where everything was just completely upside down. What can we do now that we're upside down to invent the future? And that's really what's going to have to take place. And, you know, I'm 100% certain there's a 12-year-old, 16-year-old, or 61-year-old who's got a better idea of what America 2.0 is going to look like. We just got to find those people and find those ideas and put them to work. I have a feeling one of those might be uh, somebody in your household, right? I mean, your oldest, your oldest child is what, 17, 18? 16, 16. 16. She, um, she thinks she's 21 or 22, but she's 16. Yeah. So how, so how do you talk your two daughters and your son through this? And, and you know, how, it, how is Tiffany taking this with, you know, your mug uh, ever present in the house? How, as a family, how have you guys... Um, come to grips with this and explained it and gotten through it? It's been hard, like everybody else. I mean, you know, we obviously are very blessed. You know, we have it a lot easier than 99% of the people out there just because we have space. But, you know, tell that to a 16-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 10-year-old. Um, the first two weeks were okay because everybody was in it together. Now my 16-year-old my is kind of taking over the household. And, the, the you know, we have to keep on reinforcing that, if you look back through history, there's been a lot of circumstances where it's been a lot worse than what we've had. You know, you can talk about the Civil War. You, my, my grandparents came over from Russia and they didn't leave Russia because, you know, they got an invitation to the United States. It was leave or die. You know, I have relatives that were killed in the Holocaust. And we talked about those types of things. And, you know, we're a nation of immigrants. And so every single family has similar stories. And I just tried to tell him, look, there's been a lot of people through worse. You read the diary of Anne Frank, where she lived in an attic for two years just to try to stay alive. And we're getting Amazon and food delivered. Yeah. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's crazy. Yes, it's hard to understand. But we'll, we'll, we're resilient. We'll figure it out. We'll get through this. And so will the country. And so will the world. Well, who's the disciplinary when it comes to how much playtime how much? Because you, because you, you're trying to obviously you got to catch your kids trying to go to school, but then obviously they want to play these games. Who's the disciplinarian who lays down the law? I'll say it very simply: the inmates are running the asylum. <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of uh, the arts and culture, Mark, uh, what are you watching, and how much of it is the Last Dance? How much of it is? Uh, 
uh, Tiger King, how much, whatever. You got any, and, and do you have a recommendation? Before we get into the, the last dance, do you have a recommendation, uh, something that we can be watching? When I'm on the elliptical, I'm using Peloton for my hard workouts, and then my easy days, I'm on the elliptical watching Tiger King, and then I'm on season, um, episode six, and then my wife and I are watching Ozark together. That's awesome. Other stuff, I mean, I've really tried to keep busy. Well, I've, I mean, we've, I've got investments in more than 200 companies, and so trying to just keep connected to them and support them, and some of them are in areas that are doing well and trying to you know, help guide them through that. And some of them that are really struggling, trying to, you know, pick, help pick them up. So that's keeping me really busy. So, but at night when, when I get break or when I'm working out, those are the shows. Uh, last week, Chuckster and I were talking to JJ Watt um, on, on yep. the podcast and JJ was, was talking about the last dance and he said, hold it. Are you telling me that Phil Jackson let Dennis Rodman go to Las Vegas in the middle of the season when they're looking for another championship. And it, could you imagine something like that, Mark? Could you imagine something like that happening? Oh, it's happened. In this, it, but in this day and age. Yeah, no, it's happened. It, it's happened. I've had over 20 years, guys disappear, you know, and where are they? Yeah. It, it's Yeah. So it's, it's happened, but it, it wasn't so blatant. With social media. I yeah. mean, you know, if we were, if this were happening, we would, we would have a double header plus bonus coverage of whatever the worm was doing in Vegas. And no people question. would look at, people would look at Phil Jackson and say, how can he do this to a team's chemistry? How can you win like this? You know? And, and that's the whole point because everything's documented on social media. So the last 10 years, it's been completely different um, because, you know, everybody finds everybody everywhere. And the guys would be proud and post it anyways, because that's their brain. <laughs> and, but, you know, that, that's really the biggest difference. Social media, I mean, Chuck, you were playing back then. You'd walk out and there'd be 50 cameras, right? And you'd do yeah. all the interviews and you'd have the news and you'd have talk radio and talk radio with the idiots, right? And then you had the news. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes they were the nice guys. Sometimes they were the bad guys. But, you know, that's kind of how you defined your brand, right? And you didn't really even worry about brand. You know, I'm not a role model or, you know, Republicans buy sneakers, too. You just did your thing. Now guys come into the league with a half a million, a million, two or three million followers on Instagram or wherever. And they're already brands and they're already used to having to deal with the attention. So it's, it's been a lot easier for me. I don't have to worry about those 2 a.m. calls like I used to um, come get me and all that kind of stuff. But I think. If Michael and Charles would have had social media, you guys would have been kings because, you know, the attention was so much greater back then because there were fewer media options. You know, you guys were the biggest deals back then, even more than football. I mean, with the dream team, I mean, there's just nothing bigger. You guys would be the ones with 50 million social media followers. And yes, Chuck would be on social media because you would have 15, you know, I'm not a role model and here's 5 million followers that are agreeing with me, you know, and so <laughs> yeah. it would be totally different. You know, Mark, I, I'd be remiss. Uh, number one, thanks for having me on Shark Tank. Yeah, and, that uh, was I, great. And it's, I'm, I'm glad to partner with you on the Subsafe. But I got to ask you this question. Uh, number one, the Subsafe <laughs> is doing great. It's doing great, Ernie. I have no doubt that it is, Charles. That's... Let me just say thank you. Wait, Charles, hold that up one minute. Ernie, you got a shirt from Combat Flip Flops, yes. which is a Shark Tank company. 
And here's Charles, who I'm partnered with on Subsafe, who's killing it, another yeah. Shark Tank company. So thank you, guys. <laughs> no, and, and, and I'll tell, let me tell you this, Mark, too. You know, it, my wife and I saw a piece on the CBS uh, Evening News one night about uh, combat flip-flops. Yep. And we we're like, what an awesome thing they're doing uh, that these vets are doing and benefiting I know, kids in Afghanistan, Afghanistan young girls yeah. in Afghanistan to be educated. And we were saying, oh, we're all in it. So we're buying all kind of flip-flops, uh, even size 15 like I wear. And, <laughs> um, and then all, all of a sudden here, this comes totally unexpectedly in the mail. And I said, I've got to put that That's back. Great. I, I, no, That's great. No, I love, I love that initiative, man. I love it. Sorry about that, Charles. I know this is going to be really important. Oh, oh no, no, hey, dude. Listen, I didn't know. I didn't know what that was until you said, it, and that's a great company because I'm, you yeah. know, I'm involved with the Wounded Warriors. So shout out to yep. all the vets out there. Yep. But Mark, when you first got involved with Shark Tank, could you have imagined all these years later that no. it would be this 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 juggernaut that it has become? No, I'll tell you exactly what I was thinking. I got invited to be a guest shark. And I was going in for three episodes. And back then, this was two, uh, 2010. And back then, the show was bouncing around. One day, it was Tuesday. The next night, it was a Sunday replacement for Desperate Housewives. And then it was on <laughs> Thursday night. And I'm thinking, this show's got no future. Nobody cares about business. So I'm going to go on there and buy everything and just make a lot of noise and just make everybody mad at me. And so that's what I did for those three episodes. And then, boom, it came back. And here we are. 10 years later and, and trying to put together a season 12 too. Mark, before we let you go, uh, it was floated out there the other day that uh, there's an election coming up. Now, look, are you, are you just, are you teasing people with this, uh, you know, that, well, presidential run, how realistic is this? For 2020, not very, something crazy would have to happen, but you know, I would have done it in 2020 if my family hadn't voted it down. We literally had the dinner table conversation and they were like, no way. It was a four to one vote and I was the only one. And so um, 2024 is never out of the question. But look, it's just such a crazy world right now. And it's so partisan and everybody wants to blame everybody else for, you know, or it's nobody's fault. They're, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, who do you trust your life with? There's just nobody people trust right now. Um and so the door's open. Now, that said, there's a lot of candidates that there are a lot of people that would be better than me as candidates, but it is what it is. This is the world we live in and you have to have a platform. So I'll never say no, but it's a long shot. It happens this time around. Well, just throwing in my two cents, man, I think you'd be a great president or vice president because I know your heart's in the right place. Thanks, Chuck. Yep. I appreciate that. Mark Cuban, thank you. Uh, you've been very gracious with your time today, and and we appreciate it. I know a lot of folks, a lot of talk, want to talk to you. My guys, of course. Oh man, but this is like this is awesome. Thanks, my guys. I appreciate it. Stay safe. All right, brother. Take care. Thank you, Mark. That was awesome, man. He's a good dude. I enjoy. You know, yes, sir. When when he parted with me on the uh, sub safe, I really because yeah. that's my other two products went down the toilet. And the yeah. one that me, me and Mark are doing together is doing awesome. So, man, it, it's really cool. I would love to do it again, too. I really enjoyed Shark Tank. It's a great show. Great it is show. a great show. Everybody was nice to me on the show, too. You know, you hey, see Chuck, all sir, those... everybody's everybody's nice to you all the time. No, no, but I'm saying... You Why know, are you, you so you, surprised? No, well, most well, not everybody's nice to me, but I'm talking about, you know, <laughs> you have this perception when you like, this guy calls himself Mr. Wonderful. I mean, come on yeah. now. And I'm like, okay, I wonder how Mr. Mr. Wonderful's gonna be. And he was awesome. <laughs> yeah, he was wonderful. I would love to do it again. 
back here on the steam room it's one of the most popular segments i don't know chuckster you think if you had to rank the four segments we normally do this number four tk would be number four or the low, lowest number he's number four each good to see you guys again if you're not a loyal steamer and you just stumbled onto this this is tim kiley producer of inside the nba pittsburgh guy is always adorned in some kind of stealer or pirate uh regalia and uh, so go ahead ernie i have some social media news uh-oh chuck you've been known to say that social media is all haters and people just being mean and negative not everybody. A lot of them are. But after episode six of The Last Dance, Twitter was a Charles Barkley love fest. Did you see some of these tweets? I did not. I don't do tweets. How would I know that? Taylor Rooks. People forgot how good the Chuckster was. Chuck was a dog. Uh, oh, Taylor Rooks. I love Taylor. Thanks, Taylor. Jared Vanderbilt, who plays for the T-Wolves. Honestly, I don't think people realize how good you were, Chuck. You just happened to be in the Jordan era. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Jared Vanderbilt. Oh, Jared Vanderbilt. And, of course, the one and only Ahmad Rashad. The round mound of rebound is one of the best that ever played. Oh, thank you, man. It's oh, true. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. 56,000 times you were mentioned on, on Twitter. Well, you know, it's been really uh, interesting living the good old days. That was a great time in my life. You know what's amazing, TK? Man, I miss sports so bad. <laughs> this last dance thing is all we get to talk about every day right now, which is interesting and crazy at the same time. But man, uh, I, I want everybody to be safe. But man, we really miss sports, man. And I hope the players realize it now. I hope the players said, hey, you know what? I'm going to try to be the best basketball, baseball, football player I can be because there's somebody who watching me that I put a smile on their face. I make them forget about some bad stuff that they're happening in their life. And I think this could be a wake up call for everybody. Like, yo man, people count on us for entertainment and excellence. Let's do it. Chuck, I have a question. Yes, sir. Watching those old highlights. How much do you miss the playing days? Well, let me say this. That's a tough question for me. But, you know, it's, it's something that I talked to Shaquille about because uh, I worry about Shaquille. Uh, I love Shaquille. He's fun to be around. He's fun to work with. And, you know, he works all the time. Sometimes I tell him, I says, you do know there's nothing better in your life going to be better than being Shaquille O'Neal, right? A lot of guys like, TK, I'm – not bragging or saying I'm important, but like, man, I feel pretty good that I was Charles Barkley in my day. And I'm not going to be chasing like that high again. So to answer your question, like it was nothing like being Charles Barkley. I'm never going to like, I might accomplish some other stuff. I might, but ain't nothing like that thing. Like Michael Jordan, Carl Malone, we might do some things later in life, but like when you are, like right now, LeBron James, uh, I was talking to a friend of his about, he said like LeBron's gonna do some great things. Uh, it was a reporter from Cleveland. I says, he might do some great stuff off the court, whatever, but ain't nothing gonna ever be better when he was LeBron James at the peak of his superpowers. And 
ain't nothing was better than when I was Charles Barkley. Like it's great being Charles Barkley on TNT, but it ain't nothing like being Charles Barkley <laughs> at the Philadelphia <laughs> Spectrum or at America West Arena. And every basketball person is watching you play. Nothing can do that. So Sunday night was shaping up to be a great night for the Chuckster, earning a newfound respect for younger people who maybe just know him as the funny guy on TV. But then he goes on SVP, and one word seemed to trip you up, Chuckster. Roll the clip. Clearly it was Michael's team uh, because he was the best player in the world. Uh, he was the most I don't want to, I can't even pronounce it, actually. Charismatic person in the world. <laughs> I think he got it at the end, Chuck. Look to the heavens like, I don't even know why I'm trying to say this. I, that was so, uh, That that's my second favorite after the Ginobili thing. Yeah, absolutely. But with Ernie not there to bail you out, I mean, you're lost, Chuck. So I got one more for you. Did you see what Elon Musk named his child? I realize this is an audio podcast, so I'll try to describe it. It starts with an X. Then there's a symbol that looks like an A and an E smooshed together. And then an A-12, Musk. Is that for real? That is for real. X stands for unknown variable. The A-E is the elvish spelling of AI, artificial intelligence. And A-12 is Musk's favorite plane. Uh, this is a perfect example of trying too hard and, and having too much money. This is actually, if, if you like, sometimes you, you see guys dress in a certain way and we always say, oh, he's trying too hard. This is a perfect <laughs> example of some dude who's really rich and well-known trying way too hard. That's exactly what that is. And I'm, and I'm seeing a story uh, online that says, uh, in California, they will not accept that as a legal name because you can only use the 26 characters of the English language. Well, they should. They, you know what they should say also? We're just not going to let you name your kid a stupid-ass name. Be a, <laughs> that, that's what they should put on. <laughs> I'm exactly, with you. That's exactly what they should. We're not going to let you have your kid walking around with no stupid-ass name his whole life. Well, Ernie, I know you got things to do. Chuck doesn't, but you do. See you, fellas. Thanks, TK. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Chuckster, that's scary when you and I are thinking the exact same thing at the exact same time. <laughs> wow. We'll take a break here on the, uh, on the, well, it hasn't really won any awards. Uh, we'll take a they, break here. They don't on, know that. On the Steam Room podcast. How the hell, if you don't tell them that, they don't know that. Well, it might win something. You never know. Uh, when we come back, Chuck's answering machine. Stay tuned. We are back to wrap up uh, the steam room. Um, and we always wrap it up in a very solid way. It's not like ever, it's some like of a, a throwaway segment where it's like, oh, it's just the last segment. Doesn't matter what we do. No, we say Chuck's answering machine to the last segment. And, and this will give you loyal steamers an idea of the width and breadth of this show and how, uh, you know, really it knows no bounds. Listen to these calls from Chuck's answering machine. You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America. 
Hi, Mr. Barkley and Mr. Johnson. Uh, so just to continue with the theme of uh, fans calling from all over the world, I wanted to quickly check in from Bosnia. Uh, we watch you over here, too. We love you guys. But to keep it short, I wanted to ask Mr. Barkley, uh, who were your favorite European players back in, um, back in your playing days? And uh, are you still friends with any of them? Wow, Bosnia! Call from Bosnia—that's that's big time, right there, that's Chuckster. Unbelievable. Um, well, see, Ernie gives me a hard time because I don't lump European players in a separate category than foreign players, uh, which I guess you know. I guess I'm not uh, geographically the smartest dude in the world, but that'd be accurate. <laughs> so we would go with number one, probably. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki, would that be considered European? Sure. Okay. He's one of my favorite people. He could have been some if he had went to Auburn when I tried to pay him to go there. A guy I talked to, uh, actually, I'm doing a charity thing with him, is Detlef Shrimp, one of my favorite people in the world, one of the nicest guys you ever going to meet, and was a hell of a player. Hey, you know what? Uh, just a, a quick aside, because I know this from having uh, – Talk to Dirk on the um, the NBA Together franchise. That Dirk's first game, he played against Detlef Schrempf. You know, and they're both German, and it was one of these things where you know Dirk had watched Detlef come into the league, and Dirk went zero for five in his first game with Detlef playing on the other side. Anyway, oh, and I, I want I want to mention one more guy. I played with yeah. him. Passed away last year. Christian Vell. Yes. Well, he passed away last year. Somebody sent me a text. He was a really good dude. Uh, miss him. Let's go back to the phone. What's happening, Chuck and Ernie? This is Stuart calling from Scotland. Me and my pals love all the shows. They're absolutely brilliant, so keep it up. Um, if you could pick two games of basketball to show someone that's never watched it before, what would they be? Hope you're both well. Hope the families are well. Cheers. Wow. Thank you, brother. That's a great question, too. So I actually did that for NBA TV in the last week, Ernie. Uh, they asked us to pick out some great games that I, I've been broadcasting for the last, uh, since I've been on TV 19 years. The, game, the first game I picked was the night that LeBron scored 29 out of 30 points in a row to finish against the Pistons. That's probably the single best performance I've ever seen uh, in person. And the second game I picked was, remember when Clay Thompson went crazy against Oklahoma City in game six, which saved the Warriors when Oklahoma City would have beat them and wrapped them up and made it to the finals. Uh, so those are the two games. I don't think it's cool to pick games that you, you played in yourself. But LeBron against the Pistons and Clay against Oklahoma City – those are two of my favorite games. And, and, and give my shout-out to NBA TV. They showed them last week. How about game six, uh, Heat and Spurs, Ray Allen? Oh, man, that was crazy because they had already bought the trophy out to give it yeah. give it to him. Ray hit uh -huh. that three. Uh, one more call from the answering machine. Hey, guys, huge fan. Miguel, I'm a return Peace Corps volunteer from the Dominican Republic, Chuck, and I climbed – the tallest peak on the island, um, Pico Duarte. Uh, it was a five-day hike. It was one of the most difficult things I've ever done. 
but I brought my Charles Barkley jersey with me to reach the top when I reached the top so I could wear it and take a picture. For some reason, I've always wanted to take that picture and send it to you guys and just let you know that, like, I'm always thinking about your show, and it's been a huge inspiration. So my question is, uh, what is the most difficult hike that you've ever been on, Charles? If you can tell me, that'd be really cool. Thank you. <laughs> wow. That's really cool for him to do that, man. Yeah, I love and, that. And man, man, that's one of the nicest things anybody's ever did for me. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, that was really awesome. But it's called the Ashram. It's in Calabasas, California. It's one of the most amazing places I've ever been in my life. I would recommend it to anybody. If you want a week away from reality and eat healthy and work out, the Ashram is a great, you would love it. I didn't think that you'd ever been on a hike, man. That's, uh, that's Well, impressive. you do know hiking is just walking, right? Just going up a mountain. Like yoga's just stretching. They just call it yoga to charge you more. Chuck Stry, I hope you have a great week, man. And we sure do appreciate all those calls, man. That's awesome. Uh, uh, come on, United States, pick it up a little bit. Y'all suck. Let me give that number again, okay? 404-987-0330. 404-987-0330. Because we really enjoy hearing from everybody. In the States, everybody... Uh, that was nice, my man, to wear my jersey on that peak. Yeah. That was yeah, awesome. That was, I like that too. Let us hear from you. We, you may be on Chuck's answering machine next week. And this was, this was episode number 16. So you know what next week is going to be, Chuck? 17. Hey, I can count. Nice. <laughs> oh, okay. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, we call it the Steam Room. It's available wherever your podcasts are uh, are available. And we'd appreciate you subscribing and becoming a loyal steamer. Thank you for watching, guys. Yeah, and listening. And listening. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> 17 next week. Hit the bass. <laughs> <laughs>